the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AIM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. It is Valentine's Day. We're going to talk about Valentine's Day later, but let me just make a comment. You and I have both been married over 20 years, not to one another, to other people. Other people. Valentine's Day seems to have lost its luster. Oh, really? Yeah, let's talk about that later. But okay. I, I don't know after 20 years, some people are so mad at me already. I know. We're I was just thinking, you might, need to go, you might need to go get some flowers we're on the way home, into the show here, But you want to know who's saying amen to that? Your husband. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate, 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 accurate. But last night also was Super Bowl Sunday. It was the Super Bowl. It was a good game. I don't know that it was a great game. It was a great ending. Uh, But the Rams defeated the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, But, Aubrey, what was the strategy? And then I'm going to want to hear what you actually enjoy because you're not a big sports person. What was the strategy in the the Samson home for the Super Bowl? Well, we actually had our our small group over for the Super Bowl. So my husband was recovering from surgery, but he said, I think I can do this. And he sat on the couch very still and stiffly while we all, (laughs) uh, everyone brought some food. We just did frozen pizza. We made it very casual and watched the Super Bowl. But it was a game where, you know, everyone was chatting so much. That I think I missed the whole game, but we were silent during that halftime show. Why, let me tell you, it's why I don't enjoy Super Bowl parties. Per I, yes, se, if you want to watch the game, you shouldn't go to a Super Bowl party. We, I learned that. We uh, for, for a point of yesterday's game, it was just me and my son at home, which was kind of fun. Uh, my daughter, who plays volleyball, they made her. They had games last night at five and six p.m. <laughs> during the Super Bowl. I don't understand that at all. Whose got, idea got was a, that? Got to grind. Got to support the team. Yeah, right? okay, and so, okay. But it all went well. So anyway, uh, it was a good game. But I want to talk about the two things that most people talk about, right? I, I tend to listen to the shows and watch the things in which we're talking about the actual football game. And it was a fabulous. <laughs> oh, do you? A good ending. <laughs> wait, wait. Who are you rooting for? I, was, I found myself, I didn't have a real rooting interest with either team. Okay, okay. Usually I've got either I really like a team or yeah. I dislike a team. And I will, right. I will root, for root for the other. Yeah. I found myself, as the game was progressing, rooting for the Rams. Because I, I like their quarterback, Matthew Stafford. I, okay. He's been through a lot with the Lions. I was like, I'd like to see him win. Okay. So I ended up being happy when they won. Okay. But it wasn't something where I was, you know, gotcha. where I painted my face and doing whatever yeah. else. So, <laughs> all right. So. What always comes with the Super Bowl that everybody talks about? Let's start with commercials. Let's start with commercials. I thought they were awful. There, so can you remember one commercial where you're like, "That one was great." So unfortunately, I did like, I, I liked the uh, Scarlett Johansson, Colin, Colin Jost, Jost. That was good. but. Only because I had seen it at a different time. So I don't even know if I can count that as a Super Bowl commercial. Everything else, I was definitely rolling my eyes and a little like, oh, they didn't put their best foot forward this year. I'm with you. So if all you knew about our culture was the Super Bowl commercials, like if you came from an alien planet on Super Bowl Sunday (laughs) and were watching and you said, I want to know about this place that I am, you would have thought that all that we care about are electric cars. 
I felt well, like and beer. It, I felt like Michelob. They just dominated. There were so many yeah. bowling commercials for Michelob. Well, those were pretty good, but all the electric car commercials and it's yeah. electric cars and cryptocurrency. Oh, That's the apparently cryptocurrency. What we, that was a little annoying. The smart yeah. one was just where they had the, uh, uh-huh, the, the QR thing, code yeah. bouncing because my son was like, what is that? And Everyone in my room it. was like, that. what is this? What is that? But yeah, There I, were some fun movie trailers that dropped. The yes. Nope, the Jordan Peele movie, the J.R.L. Tolkien show, the uh, Doctor Strange. That was yeah. fun. That there was, was fun. a good commercial with Larry David. I, that one was fun. That so was good. people were chatting during that one and that I was, was a little annoyed because I missed it, to okay, be honest. But yeah. Un- Underwhelming, I would say. You and I did a top five list mm-hmm. last week about our favorite Super Bowl commercials. Mm-hmm. Nothing from last night would have cracked that list. Do you think people really liked the Austin Powers reunion one? Okay. What do you think? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're okay, but nothing where you're like, that's the commercial yeah. that defined last night. Yeah. I, I just didn't Fair. feel that I think way. that's reasonable. Now, if we were underwhelmed by the commercials. Yes. Let's talk about the halftime show. Oh, last let's night. talk about the halftime show. So, last our program night. director, he might not know that I saw this on Facebook, our program director, Marcus Brown, uh-huh. essentially put out there greatest halftime show ever. Yes. I'll argue anybody basically yes. that. Yes. Aubrey, we have finally made it to where we are the target demographic, our age. We have finally got, because yes. when we were younger, they would put on oh, the Rolling Stones. And right. it would be all You'd these kind people. Of be bored it and... was for our parents. And yes. we have now reached the part where we are the target demographic, which means we're old now yes. because they think we're the ones doing the spending. Yes. But it was, I told my kids that were watching with me, I'm like, guys, you're about to you're about to know what my high school was yes. like. You're about to know. Yes. I thought it was awesome. What do you think? Oh, so we had, so our small group is beautiful because it's made up of a lot of uh, even Gen Zers, Millennials, Gen Xers. We're about the okay. oldest. We are the oldest in the group, actually. So there are three of us Gen Xers on the couch, and we were like, the same thing you did with your kids. We were like, just wait. Yes. Welcome to our high school <laughs> or college, even. And I mean, that that halftime show, I agree with Marcus. That halftime show was one of the best I have ever seen. I loved the set. I loved the music. I loved that they performed the songs that you would expect and want them to perform. Yes. I loved how um, choreographed it was. I loved how everyone went wild. I loved how L.A. it was for being in L.A. First hip-hop uh, halftime show ever. And, I mean, Mary J. Blige is in her 50s. Yes. And, like, killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Snoop Dogg, 50s, killing it. I mean, just like, it was cool. It was it fun. It was good. I loved it. And I it loved wasn't it. overly done like some of them. It wasn't. The best. So I give it a thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, like Kendrick Lamar, he's so talented. Anyway, I loved and it. really short, I did not know. He's very short. Uh, and Dr. Dre kind of was over the whole thing. That was just, just cool. He was, like, he was like God he Almighty. Was like the yeah, I loved right it. There, right? I loved it. Uh, but let's make a spiritual, tra- oh. you, you want to see my transition here? We're going to do, do this. We're two good pastors. Let's hear it. I think one thing everybody loves about the Super Bowl is the shared experience of it. Oh, Brian. Don't you think so? Yeah. Why, right? We all watch our TV shows now on our own time, mm-hmm. doing our own thing. We watch our movies at our own time. Really good point. Right? We used to watch things, and then you'd get by the water cooler, right. and you'd talk about, right. oh, did you see Seinfeld last night? Did you see this? The Super Bowl is still something we're all watching in real time. At the pretty same much time. together, And we could talk about the commercials. We could yeah. tweet about uh, this. 
I think there's a church tie in there, right? There's yeah, something about community. There's that's something good. about communal that this is why it's not all that healthy for just watching church. Mm. Uh, but don't you think there's something that we are losing in our culture? Generally speaking, our kids will never grow wow. it of kind of like the shared experience. What do you think? Brian, I mean, I hadn't thought about that, but I think you have just like dropped a mic there. That is mm-hmm. really solid. You're right. It's it's. I think we talked about Wordle last week. It's why mm-hmm. Wordle is that game is so popular right now because it's the shared experience. Yeah. And I I love that thought that like un, uh, unlike binge watching shows or streaming shows, you watch it when you want to on your own time. People are watching different shows at different times. This was something we all came together and could celebrate together and could right. get mad at together, could laugh at, could be disappointed by together and then share that online or call your friends or be with your friends like we were. I Yes, that says something about the power of community, yes. shared experience and like embodied in real time, something about being in the present and being with people. Brian, well done, so sir. So the takeaway from the well Super done, Bowl last Reverend. night is go back to church. <laughs> <laughs> therein tweet, tweet lies, therein lies the takeaway. Well, coming up next, uh, you might be have seen on the news today, things are really escalating in the Ukraine uh, with a, an imminent Russia attack. Uh, we're going to highlight some of that. But then, Aubrey, I want to ask this question. What would cause missionaries to stay in the Ukraine Mm. with this sort of imminent possible danger? We're going to talk about missionaries in dangerous places next here on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Everybody, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Thanks so much for joining us today. There is something serious going on in the world right now. That is the standoff uh, going on in the Ukraine right now. So there have been an update even uh, within the last hour or oh, two. Wow. Uh, Russia has moved some long-range artillery and rocket launchers into firing position, threatening oh the Ukraine. According to a U.S. official, some Russian units have left their assembly areas and are beginning to move into, quote, attack positions, according to the same official. This movement marks a change since Sunday when some of the units had left the assembly areas but had not yet been taken uh, in what could be viewed as attack position. The U.S. believes Russia will attack Ukraine by the end of the week, although it's not certain what form that will take. Mm. Uh, Once the Russian attack begins, U.S. knowledge of what is happening will dramatically decrease. Mm. So that's kind of where we're at, Aubrey. And uh, it's just crazy, right? We've talked about this before and said, hey, we need to be people who are praying about this, yeah, right? We need yeah. to be praying. But I want to ask you kind of a different question because you and I, uh, we we know a lot about a, a lot. We know a little about a lot yes, of things. Yes, that's accurate. I would say one of those things is not really foreign diplomacy with the Ukraine and NATO and how this is all going to right. play out. So we'll leave Fair. that to the smarter people yep. along those lines. But Aubrey, here's what I want to ask you about. Christianity, Christianity Today ran an article today. Uh, about missionaries, some who have left and then moved to neighboring countries to kind of see what happens. Yes. But the many, many missionaries who are staying in the Ukraine. Yeah. uh, Even amidst possible danger, Mm -hmm. possible bloodshed, possible because they're not Ukrainian. They don't live there. It would a lot of mission organizations. The United States has told people to leave. Yes. We saw this in Afghanistan as well months ago. Yes. Missionaries going, nope, I'm staying right. here. God's called me here. Aubrey, yeah. I think when I read those stories, it is uh, I have a couple of different reactions. One of them is um, impre- I'm impressed by these people's mm-hmm. faith and by mm-hmm. their care for the people and going, OK, there's that. And then there's part of me that doesn't 
a lot of me that doesn't understand it at all. Like, right. what are you doing? Right. Especially if you have a family, like, get out of there. What are you doing? Uh, and so it's a really unique story. You can see it over at, the, at Christianity Today. But what are your thoughts? Why do missionaries, and neither you, you did go to Zambia uh-huh. for, yeah, a year. for a year. Yep. So I've never been on the mission field overseas for any long, yeah. you know, anything longer than some short-term trip. Yeah. Why do you believe missionaries uh, stay in dangerous areas, even in areas in which the danger is quickly escalating? And certainly it has to be a call in your life, yeah. right? And in fact, there's a there's a family at our church who um, their parents are missionaries in Ukraine and they have decided to stay. So this feels like a very personal question for us. And for them, it's a matter of trusting God. Like, mm. look, God called us here. We have relationships here. Our Ukrainian brothers and sisters can't just leave. So we don't feel like we can just leave and there's certainly a hope that things will be okay. I mean, it's not like this is without fear, but I do think if you're a missionary and God calls you to preach Christ to a totally different culture, um, I already like you're maybe more hardcore than yeah. the rest of us, more full of faith. And I mean, I don't know, more full of faith, but certainly a, a willingness to give up your life for the faith in a way that's really, really beautiful and admirable. And yeah. I think it's that same faith and sense of calling that's like keeping your feet nailed to the ground when like the world around you would say it's time to go. Even if we give our lives for the gospel, it will have been worth it is, is my guess what the attitude is for a lot of these missionaries, Mm -hmm. but what a difficult, difficult thing. I can imagine the guy by the name of Joshua Tokar. He's the director of English services at Ukraine evangelical theological seminary. He has relocated to a neighboring country with his family for the time being because he can teach virtually But I never knew this, Aubrey. Listen to what he says about the Ukraine. He says Ukraine is the main missionary sending country for Eastern Europe and Central Asia. The church is very strong. As far as Europe is concerned, the Ukrainian church is perhaps the strongest and is doing the most for education, training and sending out workers. Like that's certainly something uh, we need to be praying about for that church. this is an impossible question for you, but how would you process it? If you were somewhere where you believe that God had called you, uh, you were somewhere that you wanted to Mm -hmm. be, but you got family. Yeah. You you have a way out. Like you could get back to America. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think there's a right answer. Like, I don't think it's like the faithful, good people stay. No, not at all. But how would you even begin to process that? I think, you know, I'm just thinking of it even from like a like a, a mom's perspective. If I know like my little kids are going to be at risk, mm-hmm. I think I, I, I would get out because I think a lot of, t- you know, again, in missionary families, the parents are called and sometimes it's the whole family's called, but sometimes the kids go by nature of the fact that the parents are called. Yes. Right. And so I, for me, I, I would be hard pressed to sort of sacrifice my kid's safety at the altar of my own calling. Mm. But I know that's not true for everybody. Like I'm saying that knowing like, look, it takes faith to stay in a situation like that. But I think you'd have to have a very specific from your missions organization, from your church, sending churches, yeah. from your community. Like this could not be an individual decision, but would have to be made in community and with your loved ones in mind. It reminds me of the old stories. I could butcher this a little bit, but where missionaries back in the olden days, back in the days, they'd get on ships and they'd pack their belongings in their casket. Mm. And they'd say goodbye to their mm. family. And they mm. basically were saying, this is how I'll come yeah. back. Yeah, I just can't imagine that. Now, what can we be doing here? This article 
says this. At this time, Christians in Ukraine are asking for prayer that their country will be able to continue to live in freedom and peace. They also ask those who know someone serving the Ukraine to reach out, offer encouragement, and perhaps connect over video. Leaders see the current attention toward the church in the Ukraine as a chance to spread the word about the mission advancements being made amid such tense circumstances. This quote is this. Prayer is necessary because we feel unity with other Christians. It gives us the power to live and the power to serve. It gives us unity. It gives unity in Jesus. We understand that we are very weak, but God is strong. We hope that God, by his mercy and his grace, will protect our country. With the last minute we have here, Aubrey, what does what should this do to those of us living here in America as we are? I'm not worried that Russia is going to invade tomorrow. Right, right. I'm not worried about these things. What does this do to our faith or what should this just do to us as we think about? This? I mean, I think a couple of things like even as I said, oh, I would probably get out for my kids. Like even as I said that, I was like, wow, is my faith weak? Like, I think it should just challenge our faith. Like you said, maybe there's not a right or wrong, but certainly challenge us to take bolder steps toward the for the gospel to lift up these missionaries, both in prayer and in just like our church services and in our own honor. Like, Mm. who are we honoring? Who are we elevating? Certainly it ought to be these people who are sacrificing their lives for the gospel. And then just keep us globally minded. Like we talk about on the show, there are Christians all over the world being persecuted for their faith. Let's get on our knees and be praying for standing with the persecuted church. I like this article with technology uh, that we have now. We can actually encourage people that we know. And, um, yeah, just keep, I guess, cheering on these missionaries who are doing so much for the sake of the gospel. It's a good word. Let's make sure we're praying for the church in the Ukraine, which I just learned is a really strong church. Doing really amazing things in Europe there. So let's be praying for that church. Coming up next. Uh, Aubrey, every now and then, I just need to unload a little bit. A little (laughs) segment we call Grinds My Gears. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. All right, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. That music only means one thing. You got to do it on a Monday. Maybe it's bad form to do it on Valentine's Day, but I feel like the Monday goes above it. Aubrey, it's grinds my gears. <laughs> that does feel like a Monday thing doesn't to do, it? doesn't it? Doesn't yeah, it? Here's, I like what, it. here's what grinds my gears is. Let me remind people if you yes. haven't heard this before. It's just a segment for you and I to just vent. We're to just get venting. stuff off of our chest. Right. To say this bothers me. Again, let me give you the disclaimer. These are little things. They're little things. They're more nuisances yes. or things that bother Pet us. Peeves. It's like the paper cut, right? Like yeah. it's just that. This is not to the scale of the Ukraine, what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine. Very important to clarify that. This is that. not yeah. of the scale of homelessness and right. poverty. Right. We, we understand there are bigger fish to fry here, but every now and then, Aubrey, if you let these little things build up, yeah. they end up exploding. Right. So you got, go crazy. you got, that's why you have a radio show, just so you can vent these things. Yes, there's, there is some truth to that. I do. We started this with Ian Simpkins back in the day, and he was the worst at this. I, so, I remember hearing this because he would just say things like, you know what makes me mad? My life is too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, the church is so much unity. Uh, and so, uh, but Aubrey, you have stepped into his place and uh, you have lots of things that bother you. It tells so you I'm what very a cynical, cynical, dark person I am. So thank you for that, Ryan. So I made myself a, uh, a surprisingly long list oh, here. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'll go first Yeah, for you, you should. You should, please. All right, I want you to join me at Panera. Because I go to Panera often. Okay. I'm going there in my mind right now. Okay. So I do a lot of sermon prepping, a lot of work. I don't like sitting and like quiet in the office. So I will go to the local Panera, 
get an iced tea that I can fill up as many times as I want <laughs> and uh, just sit in a booth with my laptop yes. and I will work. Like okay. That's where a p- podcast on, something like that. Wow. So that's where you'll often find me. That is the me. opposite of how I work, by the way. Nope. I need like no noise, silence, nope. leave me alone. Nope, Interesting. not me. Okay. Not me. I, okay. need, I need noise. In fact, the, the more that I'm trying to get done, the more I need to get where there is wow. something. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Okay. All right. So you're with me at a Panera. So you're, you know how Paneras work. Yes. So there are two things that recently bothered me at a Panera. That um, so one of them I've mentioned before. You have mentioned one, and so I'm just going to throw this one out there for people who haven't listened before. Okay, uh, going into the men's room, the men's bathroom. Uh, if you're not, if you don't know how men's bathrooms are set up, there are urinals. Okay, thank okay? you for that. But there visual. are also garbage cans right next to you. You can okay. throw anything out. I think really the lowest form of people in the earth are the people who spit gum into the urinal. People do that. Because somebody has to get that gum out. Oh, yeah. We have talked about this. People really spit gum in the urinals. And it happened again the other day. No. And I was like, how much do you have to be just Do you ever go in as a good citizen? And- <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Scrape it out. No, okay. no, 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 no. Okay, just checking. The second one then becomes something like it. Okay. Panera, you get your food at the counter, right? Yes. There is not a waitress. There is not a right. busboy. Right. There are very clear... Garbage cans and put your stuff here. Yes. I do not understand the people who do not clean up after themselves. Who leave their dishes on the table. Who do you think is going to clean that up? What, right. just the person behind the counter over mm. there? Are you tipping them mm. to do that? No, good, you are not. It's the good. people at Panera or places like that, Portillo's, yeah. other places where you don't have a waitress and a busboy whom you're tipping. Here's a little rule of thumb. Here it is. If you're not going to tip them, throw your own garbage away. Can we say that? Uh, amen, Brian. If I think you're, you're not exactly going to tip them, throw your garbage away. You are away. very passionate about this. I wish our, our listeners could see your face because you. I feel like this is a sermon. Like you got some intensity around this. I just because Does this you, like hurt you personally. Because I've sat, I sit in Panera for hours, right? Yeah. When I'm writing a sermon, yeah. and I watch the it's people who have to clean up. It's not part of their job. Good for you, Brian, so, for standing for yeah, them. Again, I don't go and clean up. You don't the help for but... <laughs> them, but I, I think that's we should put that on a sign. Yeah. If you're not tipping the person, hey, mm. if you want the Panera person to get it, leave five bucks on that's the table. That's good. Go ahead and leave five bucks on the table. That's good. I like that. But if you're not tipping them, it means you need to clean up. You after do it, yourself. and really, it is usually by the door on the way out. And so if you you're spit going there gum, anyway. If you spit gum in the urinal or don't clean up after yourself at Panera. You are a terrible person. Yeah, that's just gross. Yep. I mean, that's bad. Yep. That's really bad. There you go. All Thank right. you for that. Okay. Oh, see, that felt good. Oh, you feel like you can like felt rest good. your shoulders a little bit. Good. Okay, this one is actually a little bit funny, and it's not from me. It is from a friend who visited me a couple weekends ago, and I was telling her about how we do grinds my gears mm-hmm. on the show, and she said, well, I've got one, but it might offend you. <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh, what are you about to say? She said, I don't like signs in people's houses that have words on them. So if you walk through my house, we have all of the Hobby Lobby signs that say like, home is where my people are, or I love you and I like you, or be, you know, be still and know that I am God, or like just things like that all around my house. And she just walked through every room and she's like, I don't like that. I don't like that. And she said, I don't want a house decoration to tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Good. So we laughed about it. And now, of course, I'm seeing all the signs in my house like, maybe I've got overboard with these. Maybe it's time to throw them away. That's really funny. Yeah. 
What's that? Live, laugh, love. Nope, gone. gone. <laughs> Have you seen that? The Geico commercial that yeah. does that? Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. So that was not my grinds, my gears, but that was her grinds, her gears. Okay, that's, that's pretty good. I got another one for okay, you. Let's hear it. Coming off the Super Bowl last night. Yes. Aubrey, do you want to know what grinds my gears? Oh, I do. Roman numerals. <laughs> Wait, we had a conversation about this. Are they going to change it? Because those numbers are about to get real long. I don't think so. Roman, Roman numerals. Anyone who deals with Roman yeah. numerals feels really pretentious to me. Yeah. Like, we're not in Rome anymore. We're not in Rome anymore. We those, have an accounting system. Those, those uniforms. It's going to get crazy. Go around the back. Yeah. And the Super Bowl is the big place. But, you know, like, really, if you if somebody put in front of you some Roman numerals, do you think you could get what it, what it is? Oh, it's been a long time. We had to See? learn Roman numerals in school. Yeah, we also I, we I also learned maybe cursive. Figure it we don't out. do that either. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like Roman numeral tattoos are a little pretentious. A little? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. I see you. Yeah, I'm done with Roman numerals. We have a number system. So you just system. want a number on there for next year? Like a I'm not even saying on, like, like the Super Bowl. Everywhere, everywhere that we have Roman numerals. You want English American. Have you ever been numerals. gone to someone's house, or have you ever driven <laughs> yeah. by someone's house that puts Roman numerals as like their like their instead of or instead something. of like writing four twenty they'll or four sixty they'll write. Oh, I haven't seen that, but that seems very. I think I'm better than you. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And anyone else can just notice I chose four twenty, which is a dangerous thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do you have another? I do have another, and uh, I, I uh, this one might be getting a little too much into the serious side of things. Please bring it. Okay. You know when you more than urinal gum at Panera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. it's definitely in a different category okay. than urinal gum. Okay. You know when people like ask you to do something to help them out to see if you're interested, and you you want to be kind. Yes. And so you say thank you so much for the offer, but I just can't do that right now. Either I'm busy, my schedule is full. I have this, I have that, but appreciate like it. Bless yes. you, like yes. you know. And then they keep coming at you. Well, yes. I really think this would really, you'd be really good at this. Or I really think you'd actually, or I really, actually, could, would you reconsider? And I don't like people who don't take no for an answer. <laughs> and I don't mean that on a like, no means no. Yes. Right. But I mean like in interpersonal things. Just Yes. You don't mean this in abusive ways. Thank you. You mean this I, in. I, I don't like that for yes. sure. But I. For the sake of what we're talking about here, I mean it in sort of the petty daily interactions. Like yes. my husband has actually gotten to where he will say, thank you for honoring your own boundaries when someone says <laughs> no. And I'm like, that's I mean, the whole world needs to do that. Thank you for honoring your own boundaries thank when someone says no to you. Yep. Which is interesting because oftentimes it is seen as a great value. I, he, this sales guy doesn't take no right, for an answer. Right. It well, maybe we need to learn to take no annoying. for an answer. Yes. All right. I didn't realize how many I had. Can I go one more? I want you to. Let's go. Bring it. So this one uh, is a very churchy one. So you and I are in churches. I have probably said this in front of my church before. Okay. But Let's hear it. Church, it's time for us to put away the phrase doing life together. <laughs> we No, we, yes. We talked about this earlier. You don't like doing life together. I like You the like the phrase doing life together. <laughs> But everything now is doing life together. We are doing life together. We and nobody knows exactly what that. That's means. true. No one knows what and that means. And it's just become somewhat of a meaningless cliche. cliche. Yeah, fair. So it's time fair. to put away doing life together. Okay, fair. I I think that's fair. What do you say instead? Uh, they're my friends. 
<laughs> we hang we out get sometimes. Together, so, uh, yeah, there aren't any other places I ever hear that other than the church where we're doing life together. Yeah, fair. All righty. That felt good. Uh, yeah, I can breathe a little that deeper felt now. really good. Well, we're uh. going to turn this a little more serious. After, okay. uh, when we come back, the music of heaven, the role of song and the connection it gives us to maybe even those who are no longer here. We're going to talk about music and heaven next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Day. Will you do anything in your home tonight for Valentine's Day? This morning I made my kids a special Valentine's breakfast, and that's all I'm going to do. What is that a is special Valentine's breakfast? Uh, cinnamon rolls where I put the, you know, the normal cinnamon roll frosting. And then I sprinkle little Valentine's sprinkles on top. I put some balloons out okay. and I gave them each a tiny, tiny bag of candy. Oh, well, that's nice. Yes. Can I tell you a big secret? Uh, me and the rest of the world. Yeah. Here, be- yeah. Hey, everyone. Because of um, my husband's surgery and because of uh, some other family emergencies last week, I just kind of blanked on Valentine's and. A very good friend of mine saved the day, brought those things to me to do for my kids. I can't take full credit That's for good. it. She blessed me to bless them. I think I'm anti-Valentine's Day now. Are you? All right. You're we just, it grinds my gears, and now, it's, now I've got it going right now. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that later. Yeah. Because I want to hear it. I want you to save that. Day. Okay. Okay. Uh, Aubrey, we've li- uh, we've discussed a, a pastor who blogs out of uh, Canada named Tim Chalice, uh, C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S. He blogs at chalice.com. He's one of the first bloggers that I can remember, and he was a really good writer. Hmm. Uh, and so I, I came across this the other day, and I thought it was just such an important concept for us to wrestle with. Uh, Tim Chalice wrote a blog post just today, I should say, entitled The Music of Heaven. Hmm. All right, I said, okay, let's let's see what he's talking about. Yeah. Here's the background. Tim Chalice, uh, his 21, 22-year-old 20, 20, son, surprisingly out of the blue passed away at college mm. uh six months ago a year ago <gasps> something like that ago wow. maybe, maybe it's been more like a year but like wow. no foul play no drugs no doubt like literally just out of the blue drop dead he yeah. was engaged to be married about to cut you know the beginnings of life and you and i were discussing this off the air and, and not to get morbid uh but to go man i can't even imagine this right now uh, oh, like I, I this would be I'm, the most devastating thing. I think it would be. Yeah. I think it would be. And uh, Tim Chalice has been very open about his heartache. Wow. He's been very open about just the processing of all of this. Wow. And so with that as the backdrop, uh, I wanted to read uh, what he had to say a little bit. He's talking about music the other day where he uh, was listening to music. And then he says this. In the past year, no place has been more on my heart and no subject more on my mind than heaven. Hmm. I have known about heaven since my youngest days and believed in it for as long as I believed in anything. But my knowledge has always been abstract and my interest always been distant. Heaven was for later, not Hmm. for now. A subject, subject that should concern me only when I was older, only when I myself was near to dying. And that was true until a single moment made heaven so very real And so very urgent. It still shocks me to write these words, he says. I have a son in heaven. Mm. There is much that is mysterious about heaven, much that remains opaque as we study the scriptures with clouded eyes and weakened minds. But one thing we can know with absolute certainty is that heaven is a place of music, a place of singing, a place of great orchestras and mighty choirs. And then he's going to go talk about some of that stuff. But I want to start with the first part here, Aubrey. 
the idea that heaven really is theoretical to us yeah. until it's not. Mm. Until it's forced so upon us in some ways. Yeah. And don't you think that really just changes your perspective on it? It really does. And, you know, when my when my mother-in-law died in October and um, before that, my cousin Cameron, those were the first, that was honestly, I'm mean, a Christian, I'm thinking about heaven my whole life, but those were the first times when I found myself like, and my grandmother died. Like it, it's like the more people you lose, the more you're like, oh, yeah. I can't wait to get mm-hmm, to heaven and be mm-hmm. reunited with them. And that's still, I think, more about being reunited with that person you lost than necessarily like worshiping Jesus. I do, I do long for my heart to be like, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven and yeah. worship Jesus. Yeah. Right now, I feel like I'm more heavenly minded just because I'm like, oh, I long to be reunited with the people that I love and I miss deeply. But it's, I think you're right. Like even for the Christian. We have hope for heaven, Mm -hmm. but it is theoretical. It is sort of bizarre to think about until you lose someone close to you. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, this is different now. And I think especially when you lose somebody, I I would assume when it's kind of out of order. Mm, Yeah. It's one thing when you're again, it's tragic, but it's one thing when your 90 year old grandparent passes. It's another thing when your 21 year old son does. You're right, Brian. It is. I I think and it's really interesting. So let's move on to the second part he talks Mm. about, because you. He starts his blog talking about his his the reality of heaven yeah. and his son. You know, he's got a son in heaven. Like he's talking about it, wow. but then he shifts to music, hmm. and he basically says, "We don't know a ton about heaven from the scriptures, but we know that there's music. We, hmm. we know that there's singing around the throne room of God. We know this." And wow. what he's going to do with this blog is basically saying, "So now, since the loss of his son, now when he sings in church, when he's worshiping with with his church, he's not only reminded that that." He's going to be doing this for eternity with every tribe, tongue, and nation, but that this is what his son is currently doing. Oh, that makes me want to ball my eyes out. Wow. This is what his son is currently doing, Mm. and it links him now in some sort of way across eternity with his son Mm. and with all that those have gone before. I've never thought of this. Like, I like singing in church. Yeah. I don't often think when I'm singing in church, I have had the thought I'm singing with other people across the globe. Yeah. Like I remember going on a yeah. mission trip to Africa and having this profound feeling of like, wow, we're singing right now while my church back home is singing at the same time. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Time change, not same time, sure, same sure, day. sure, sure, yeah. Uh, and that's awesome because we are going to, you know, my friends there in Africa, we will be singing with them, them yes. around the throne room yes. of God. But this idea that this is what's currently happening. Isn't that amazing to think about that? I, 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 yeah, I do sometimes think about that in worship that like, not all the time, every once I'm like, oh, wait, I'm doing what like the saints who have gone before me and angels are doing right now. And, and I, apparently Ephesians kind of hints at the fact that they're like peering over watching us do that. And so that's wild to think about. It is. So. Uh, I do want to end before we get there. I want to end with how he ends the blog. But Aubrey, let's ask this question for those who have not been struck by tragedy, mm. a kind of out of order tragedy. Yeah. Uh, and praise God for that. Yes. How do we grow a heavenly mindedness amongst all the craziness oh, of life? How do we grow this sort of perspective of singing and worship, but also just the reality of eternity versus what yeah. we're living now? You know, it's interesting. I've, I've mentioned before on the show several times my best friend who's fighting breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, this is one of the things that we've kind of been unpacking together a little bit because in many ways she's coming face to face with her own mortality mm-hmm. in a different way. And we all are, but she certainly is in a different way than like you and Correct. I who aren't dying of cancer yeah. are. And um, she's not dying, but you know what I mean? She's yep. Cancer is she's what it is. And battling it. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, 
And so I do feel like one of the things that we've both talked about is how there's been a lot of emphasis, I would say even the past 20 years in the church about like the kingdom of God being here and making a difference now. And so we've become very earthly minded about experiencing God's kingdom meeting earth. And that's good. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. But then I think in that somehow we've lost this like longing for the afterlife with Mm. Jesus and longing for new creation. And we've lost a little bit of the perspective of the promise of heaven. And I I mean, I think there's a lot of Christians out there who aren't even sure that heaven exists anymore. Right. So to answer your question, how do we become more heavenly minded? I think it's a matter of, it is a matter of worship. It is a matter of reading scripture about heaven. And it is a matter of think of asking the Holy spirit to help give you a perspective that you may not have now. That's good. Let me read how he closes. His son's name is Nick. When you hear him mention him Mm. here, he says, When I stand with God's people to sing God's praises, I have a new awareness that I do not sing alone. We as a church do not sing alone. Rather, when we lift our voices, we join them with the singing voices of the saints of all the ages, the earthly and the heavenly, the militant and the triumphant, the ones longing for Christ's presence and the ones basking in it. Sing as one, for we are one. And as I sing, I listen. For I am sure that in my heart I am beginning to hear my voice joining with Nick's as we each take up our place in the very same choir. Mm -hmm. As the Piper's music once carried across the lake and reached my ear, the strains of heaven's music carry across time and space to touch my heart and give me hope. Wow. Such a beautiful word from Tim Chalice. A good thing for all of us to think about. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we're so thrilled that you're with us today. Brian, it's the day after the Super Bowl, and it is Valentine's yes, Day. Is. And you said something earlier that I feel like we are all owed an explanation about. You, I think you said, I'm anti-Valentine's Day. You might even said, I hate Valentine's Day. Yeah, grinds my gears got it got into my system a little bit. You so were a little just negative just at, the, at the moment. Okay, okay. I'm not anti-Valentine's okay, Day. Okay, okay. So it feels very artificial. So let me give you some. Quote, unquote, Hallmark. Yeah, my wife Holiday, and I okay. have been married for 22 years now. And I yeah. remember when we were first dating, Valentine's Day was such a big deal. Let's yeah. go to dinner with this. And today, I actually forgot it was Valentine's Day till like yesterday. <laughs> and I was like, did you get anything for me? She's like, no. I'm like, okay, good. Can we keep it that way? And this also, one of the, my struggles is this comes, this is very personal. It comes right off of our anniversary, just two or oh, three weeks okay, before. Okay, okay. And you won't, don't want to do things twice for your you wife, I guess, be Brian. Like, Let's just settle this down. <laughs> so, no, I will show, I, I will give my wife all the bouquets. Okay, okay. Figuratively speaking, more likely than literally. <laughs> You're not going to give her flowers? <laughs> what are figurative I also don't want to be that guy, right? You go to Jewel right now, and there's that line of husbands <laughs> in front of the You don't want to be that husband? But I guess that's better than what I'm suggesting. It's better, Brian. It's better. I, so I find Valentine's Day to be really cute when you're little and you make the little yeah, Valentine's for your whole for elementary kids. school class. It just feels like a new unnecessary <laughs> burden that, okay, like my wife, who I've been uh, in a in a beautiful covenant marriage with for 22 yeah. years, on this day, I need to prove to her my love. Right, right, right. I, yeah. Too cynical? I think too cynical. I think really, what'd you get your husband for today? Uh, I, yes, I took care of him all weekend after his surgery. I feel like Valentine's Day is for the woman. The wife needs to get something for the man and for the. I like giving the children things. We I'm co- good with it. We being call kids. it Valentine's Day at our house, where we 
we give our kids we give our kids something. But okay, that's good to hear. I do think you need to get some flowers for your wife on okay. the way home, Brian. I okay. think air I'll on be, the side of flowers. I'll be that guy. I did see someone venting on Twitter the other day, like, stop telling people that women don't want chocolate and flowers. We want chocolate <laughs> and flowers. I agree with that. Okay, Brian. Well, uh, to balance out your Valentine's yes. Day cynicism, there was the sweetest, sweetest, sweetest thing on CBS Sunday morning. Josh Seftel, he's a filmmaker. He interviewed his mother, Pat, on crushes and first kisses and got really nostalgic about it with her. It's very, very sweet. I want us to take a listen to that. Do you remember the first time you had a crush? Yeah, I think so. Mervyn Aronoff. I thought he was cute. He was very smart and very sweet and very nice. Did you pursue him? I didn't have to. We used to go and have cherry Cokes together after school. The place where we went for Cokes was down the street from my best friend's house. And we'd talk about the soda shop and Mervyn, and then I'd go home. Did you ever kiss... Wait, what was his name, Mark? Mervyn Aronoff. I kissed him once. Really? Yeah. What was it like? Icky. Really? What happened when you guys split up? I had another boyfriend. Do you think Mervyn was upset when you started dating another guy? Things didn't get serious in those days. You had a boyfriend for a couple of weeks, and then you had another boyfriend. And then three weeks later, you had another boyfriend. It was a long time ago, Josh. It feels so long ago that it feels like I'm telling you a story about somebody else. Do you ever feel like he's the one that got away? There was a couple there, but not him. Uh How does it make you feel to talk about this stuff? It makes me feel old. It's kind of sweet. It kind of gives you warm, fuzzy feeling. Makes you feel good. What role do these kind of memories have in your life? You know, I I wouldn't think about this unless you brought it up. I mean, maybe I did once in a while. Do you ever have crushes now? Oh, maybe an orange crush. (laughs) You never give up. Find me somebody. These men, if they're 80, they want a 65-year-old woman. Imagine how old the man would be that might find me attractive. I don't need that trouble. Maybe a puppy, or maybe just the way I am is the best. I'm pretty happy with my life. All right. I love Pat, and I feel real bad for Mervyn Aronoff. Yes, yes. Poor uh, Mervyn. There are a couple that got away. Not him. Not Mervyn. Uh, <laughs> nope, not him. How sweet was that? It was sweet, and also, uh, you and I have talked about this a lot, it feels like, over the last couple of weeks. The passage of time yes, is I was something thinking that. because she was just like, I feel old when you ask mm-hmm. me these stories. I feel like I'm telling the story of another person. Yeah. I feel like, and even just the the passage of time, like being forced to sit down and think about mm-hmm. what was it like when you were, you know, mm-hmm. she's whatever to say eighty. Uh, now looking back to her teens and twenties, going that feels yeah. like a whole another realm a whole another time but to her it feels like yesterday i'm sure and so yeah uh, yeah you know that's what life is isn't aubrey like it's just kind of the moving forward it's the missed opportunities the ones that got you know and and you look back at the kind of the whole tapestry of your life and you're like 
man, that was kind of crazy. So, yeah, I, I, it's a melancholy thing, but yeah. also funny. She's so adorable, Wasn't too. She she's sweet? like, who would want to be with me? You know, an 80-year-old like, wants a 65-year-old. Right, right. But then she's like, maybe I'm fine. Maybe I don't need a man. I liked it. Okay, so, Brian, thinking about, like, nostalgia and mm-hmm. reminiscing, you've been married for 22 years. I Kevin and I have been married for 21 why is it important to reminisce with your spouse about special times in your relationship? Oh, I think that's a great question. I, I do think it's important. Um, so I can only speak for my own marriage. I know that uh, Carrie and I can become easily consumed with just the everyday tasks of life. Mm. Right? Just today, we sat down and went over schedules yeah. into the summer. Like, okay, when's this? When's yes. this? Where are we going? And that is important, uh, super important. Yeah, you like have to have like business meetings in a marriage it's sometimes. It's super yep. important, but it is to take time to slow down and go, hey, do you remember when, like before we had kids and it was like this, or do you remember when we were dating? And it, oh, here's why I think it's important, Aubrey. Uh, for the most part, uh, when my wife and I start talking about like when we were dating. Yeah. We inevitably start laughing. Isn't that so true? We inevitably just start yeah. telling stories. We went out for our anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and we were out to dinner and a lot of times those dinners can again become, how are they, how do we think the kids are doing? How is this going? How's this going? But this one was really sweet. We spent time just like, like reflecting on the 22 years of marriage, but sometimes 25 years of being together. And like, just like, yeah, do you remember when we were dating and and we went, oh, I forgot about that. Or do you remember, do you remember the first year of, oh, I don't think you're remembering that correctly. And that nostalgia, it was so much fun. And we were just laughing. Because I do think we have to be reminded of just. You know, you and your husband need to be reminded. Why are you together? Like, yes, what you really you do. Yeah. You're not a, like you said, we need to have quote unquote business meetings. But you're, you're not, not a, business. a business. Yeah, yeah. you are. Uh, you are a, and, you know, hopefully you have a long life together. Hopefully my wife and I have a long life together. Yeah. But it, it is helpful to look back and be like, oh, my gosh, we were so dumb. Or do you remember that? Yeah. And it, it inevitably leads to laughter and connection. And so it's yeah, not like super re- fun. It like reignites the affection, yeah. right? Because because you can get so busy throughout your day that you forget. Like, oh wait, we love each other, and that's just a really that yeah. reminiscing is a really good way to bring that back. Okay, Brian. So for the anti Valentine in you, and because it's Valentine's Day, let's talk for just a few minutes about small ways we can share love with people we care about all year long. All right, so it doesn't have to be today, all year long. What are just little things that we can do to show love for people? So most people out there know of the book, The Five Love Languages. Like I would say know what, first of all, your spouse or the person you're dating or whatever else, know how they feel loved. Like what what brings them love? Yes. I I learned sometimes the hard way that Carrie and I are not wired the same way. And so I might think, wow, she's going to feel so loved if I do X. And nope, not at all. But instead, if I were to do Y, it would do that. Uh, I also think doing things apart from your anniversary, Valentine's Day, <laughs> your birthday. Uh, yes. Instead, uh, and uh, speaking as one who is awful at this, showing up with flowers for no reason. That's a really good one. That's writing, a very good one. Writing a card or a note yes. for no reason. Yes. Not because it's this day or that day. Also, again, I'm bad at it. Uh, but yeah, those are some things that come to mind. What about you? I, you know, one thing that I've been doing lately, and and I'll have to tell you, the Starbucks app has made this really easy for me. You can like text message people gift cards now, can and you? yes, and through Starbucks, you could like treat somebody to a latte. Like here's five bucks, and you just send them a cute, and you can design it Did for you do whatever. That to Kevin? 
just yeah. uh, I, I don't really do it to Kevin, but I do it to the gals in my life. Like the, when I'm thinking about him, like, oh, you're on my mind. Here's five dollars. Have a latte on me. Or sometimes I'll go and I'll actually pick up a latte and drop it on their yeah. front porch or wherever they are that day. Like just as a way to be like, here's a small thing I can do for you to let you know yeah. that I'm thinking about. You. I think anytime you just send somebody a card in the mail, like that's sort mm-hmm. of mind blowing because you know, we talk about this a lot on The Common Good. The only mail we all get these days is Amazon packages. And bills. Yeah, yes. So to get like a real, you know, a real package in the mail is is just very, very can, fun. Can I somehow, just for the Starbucks, I don't want the personal card, but for the free Starbucks you're sending out, can I get on that gals list? Um, can we'll I, how does one get we'll on see. the gals list? You need list? to do some nice things for me, and then in return, I'll repay you. So let's start uh, with that, I'll start Brian. The, I'll start the list okay? now. Okay. I'll let you know how that is going. Happy <laughs> Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's, Greatest everybody. Greatest day of the year. <laughs> We hope that you show love to the people in your life today. We are joined by Heidi Baker when we return. She is an incredible woman. She's a co-founder and president of Iris Global. She has a brand new devotional out about courageous Christianity, especially in the face of some really hard things. We know you're going to be encouraged by our conversation with Heidi. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And it is the end of today's show. And as you know, at the end of every show, we love to leave you with something challenging, inspiring, or just to put a smile on your face. And we are thrilled because we are joined by Heidi Baker. She's the co-founder and president of Iris Global. And she has a book out called God's Got This. 40 Devotions of Courageous Faith. I'm actually holding the book in my hand right now. It is absolutely beautiful. You can order Heidi's book on Amazon or wherever it is you get your books. And you can learn more about Heidi and Iris Global at irisglobal.org. Heidi, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Aubrey. It's a joy. Hey, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you or your work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Iris Global as well? Well, um, yes, I, I met my beautiful Lord and Savior, Jesus, when I was 16 years old. I met him personally on a... Indian a reservation, so first world nation. Wow, that's cool. People, they talked on um, Choctaw Reservation in Central Mississippi, and a Navajo preacher led me to the Lord. Awesome! And uh, first time I heard the gospel, and I absolutely fell in love with the Lord and have just given my life to love and serve Him. Mm. And met my husband, who's a fourth generation missionary uh so meeting him we we went out to lunch once and got married and <laughs> went off to Indonesia. <laughs> yeah we've been married 42 years now oh, and uh, our co-founders thank you co-founders of iris global started out as iris ministries and and just have the best team in the world and we just we love our Lord, and we love to serve the poor, the broken, the needy, mm-hmm. um, and the disenfranchised. That's just a passion of our hearts, and we're worshipers. We're worshipers. We love to worship. Mm. Amen. Thank you for that, Heidi. I, on Valentine's Day, another day, I'd love to hear that story of what that lunch was like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Heidi, as Aubrey said, you have a new devotional out called God's Got This, 40 Devotions of Courageous Faith. And the book description just begins by saying God is in control 
always. Could you unpack why that's such an important message right now for people to not just know, but to believe deeply that God is always in control? I believe it's imperative right now as the world's shaking mm. and things are, are shaking so dramatically. Um, we live in a war zone in northern Mozambique. We've been there um, in Mozambique almost 30 years now. And when you, you, you have people dying, you have people mm. hurting, we know about the COVID pandemic, and there's so much shaking going on. And to know that God's got this, to mm. know that no matter what we go through, we can trust in Him and His Word, yes. and we can get through to the other side. And mm. so I felt like as I was writing this devotional, instead of it just being about things that happen in my life, we're pulling from the stories of people, ordinary people who most of you won't know, Mm -hmm. who have been through some horrific things, Mm -hmm. like maybe a child died, or they walked through cancer, or their home burned down, or their child was beheaded. I mean, these are things that are so horrific, you you just can't imagine it. But in the midst of it, there's this overcoming, this this power, the power of God's love and the power of His grace and the power of walking in forgiveness. And instead of just staying in the hole, being able to look, um, fix our eyes on Jesus mm. and know that God truly, truly mm. has this every everything in his hand and it puts it gives us the action steps to 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 how to pray to stand on his word to to really hold on to rest in him he's the author and the finisher amen Heidi, you just dropped a lot of uh, emotional kind of bombs right there. You live in a war zone in Mozambique with your husband. You've talked about some of these devastating stories that people have gone through. You are obviously a woman who has seen and been through a lot and then compiled this beautiful book, God's Got This 40 Devotions of Courageous Faith. I wonder if you'd be willing to share maybe one of your stories, your husband's stories, or a story from the devotional book of someone who chose courage in the midst of these really, really dire circumstances. Um, sure. Yeah, I think um, maybe I'll just share from the very first story. Uh, so this is just about how we got to Mozambique, what what it was like. And the scripture here, if you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I kept my father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. And so this first uh, story speaks about how we came in to Mozambique. We didn't know the language. I had nowhere to live. Um, Roland and Crystal and Elisha, our, our children, came in slightly later. And I remember this very first day um, just being overwhelmed with bombed out cars and mm. homeless piles of homeless children. Mm. And this the, the third day, I, I was able to stay in this Bible school, Baptist Bible school, for three days. On the third day, I'd know where to stay. And a woman ran up in with a hair in a bun, wearing a long flowered skirt, tennis shoes, and tossed me some keys and said, stay in my flat uh, and, and eat the food or the wraps will get it. And I remember just literally feeling like bursting into tears. Mm. She didn't tell me where she lived. No. And uh, I and I thought, Lord, 
here we are, I have these keys in my hand, and it's like how we have access to the realms of the kingdom and access to things, but I did not know how to get there. I didn't know where this flat was, no road signs or anything. But long story short, a young Mozambican named Lazarus showed me the way to her flat as my fuel tank was going to the very bottom. It was on mm. red, red, red. I had no more money, no way to go. Big baby, baby missionary in Mozambique. And Holy Spirit really um, began to touch my heart about learning his language, about trusting him. Mm. And I ended up finding this this little flat and I remember being so exhausted I just fell asleep and the next day my appetite came back and I was able to eat and and so the Lord showed me something very powerful about that about trust about how he's in control that he's in charge and it Jesus show me this is the prayer Jesus show me what love looks like here on earth Holy Spirit allow me empower me to be merciful generous and compassionate I trust your eternal faithfulness draw me into your heart and open my eyes to see those who are in need and then we just do action steps like share, learn the language of Holy Spirit, and rest in the Lord. Mm. So that's just a short kind of introduction into it. It shows a picture of a baptism in Iris Zimpetu, one of our first bases. And just the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've been there now 20 almost 28 years, so just think of what God has done and how he's provided and how he seriously holds us in the palm of his hand. Beautiful. Heidi, that's just so beautiful. We are so grateful uh, for you to tell us those stories. Uh, When it comes to your book, what do you hope readers get from it? Or asking it another way, how do you hope that readers are encouraged as they pick up your devotional and read it? I pray that they just grow in courage and trust. Mm. that that they would know they don't need to be victims, that they can be absolutely overcomers in Christ Jesus, Amen. and that you can always trust in Him and trust in His Word. And I want them to leave um, each day, leave encouraged, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. And God's got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Heidi, again, thanks so much for being here with us today. We just have loved having you love what God is doing through you. And we're so excited about this book. Again, it's called God's Got This 40 Devotions of Courageous Faith. You can order Heidi's book on Amazon or whatever it is you get your books. You can learn more about Heidi and Iris Global at irisglobal.org. Heidi, once again, thanks so much for being here with us Thank today. You, Heidi. Bless you, Aubrey and Brian. Thank you. Have a beautiful Valentine's Day. Oh, Thank you, you, too. you too. And thanks so much, everyone else, for joining us today. We're so glad you've been with us. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.